the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to Season Watch with Wendy Scott, where we observe the things coming on the earth through biblical binoculars, because the Bible is both timely and timeless. With her master's degree in rhetoric and writing skills, Wendy is a part-time college professor, but a full-time truth professor. She believes the Word of God is His perfect revelation, including a young earth six-day creation, as well as the global flood inundation, and that Israel is God's chosen nation. Faith alone in Jesus is salvation, the true church rapture, comes pre-tribulation, followed by Christ's millennial domination and His eternal kingdom with Earth's regeneration. Jesus is coming without hesitation. And now, here's Wendy with today's topic. Hello, friends. Thank you for joining me again at Season Watch. Uh, we sure have a good show ahead of us, so let's uh, let's pray. Jesus, we're just so grateful for this time of year, and we just pray for your spirit, the spirit of your life and your joy and your glorious kingdom, Lord, to just fill our hearts. Help us again to represent you and to be a blessing to others. Lord, we want others to know how good you are, and so we just give the rest of this time to you in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, uh, just a little information. I get to be on Kaz Taylor's show tonight um, on his show, Come Together San Diego, right here on K Praise. And I get to be interviewed about my Christian book, The Lost, A Story of Christmas. So his show is on every Saturday from 5 to 7. I should be on a little after 5 o'clock if you're interested to hear more about my book and just pop on to Kaz's show, especially if you haven't had a chance to listen to him before. And remember, you can pick up my book on Amazon or uh, send it as a gift, or you can go down to See Christ Christian uh, Bookstore down in Lemon Grove. Please, we want to support one of the last brick-and-mortar Christian bookstores, and they're carrying my book right now, and I I believe it'll inspire you because it's really about how do we live our life every day for for Jesus, and um, go on down there. They're offering discounts for Season Watch listeners, so let them know that you came down because Wendy Scott was Season Watch, and see what discount you get, but I tell you, they've got some great gifts, Bible study material. Materials or all sorts of stuff. I love to poke around in there and buy stuff. So, um, friends, we've talked about the special time of year and how we should be available for Jesus to use us as a blessing. So, remember, give Jesus a great birthday gift this year and try to help support the persecuted church or um, organizations that are um, supporting people in need and giving out the gospel and be ready to be used by Him. Please, just, just, You know, the things that we cling on to on this earth, we don't get to take them with us. The only thing that goes to heaven are the things done in the name of Jesus. And so please just set up yourselves treasures in heaven right now this time of year. Everyone's heart is tender and ready to hear. And uh, please be a sheep and not a goat. Be found doing his things when he returns. And so uh, he's so good. We're in the middle of the Christmas season. And so we're going to put a pause on our current series. And after the first of the year, we'll pick back up on our discussion of the rapture. Um, But right now, we're going to talk about one of my favorite topics. And so, friends, uh, if you are interested, by the way, we're going to talk about Jesus today. And if you're interested, you might consider sending a link of this podcast when it comes out on Tuesday, because it's going to be 
packed full of information, uh, discussion on our topic today of who is Jesus. And so, friends, we've got a lot to cover. This is going to be quick, so fasten your truth belts today as we discuss who is Jesus. And of course, uh, we can hardly approach the amazing complexity and beauty of Jesus. He is so many amazing things. Uh, It can't all be said in a few minutes, but today we're going to look at who is Jesus, and we're going to consider his qualifications as the perfect representation of humanity, the kinsman redeemer, the priest and king, the firstborn of humanity, the lamb of God, which takes away the sins of the world, the one who has become my salvation for me. So we're just going to dive right in. All right. Who is Jesus? So first of all, when God, or Jesus actually, created everything, humanity was made in the likeness of God, right? So we see that in Genesis 1.26, and God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. So God created man in his own image, and the image of God created a male and female. He created them. And then God blessed them and said, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth, subdue it, and have dominion. So he made us in his image. Our first problem was that free will immediately brought rebellion to humanity when, he opened the, when we opened the door to Satan. Right away, we sold our birthright to Satan for nothing. And when he enticed us to know both good and evil, so this compromised our dominion that God gave to us of the earth, and it gave Satan access to the world, which also brought death into the world. But this is also the plan when the plan for salvation was first revealed in Genesis 3, 4. Then the serpent said, then the serpent said to the woman, you shall not surely die. That's what he said to lie to her. For God knows that in the day that you eat of it, your eyes will be open and you'll be like God knowing good and evil. But God said in Genesis 3.14, So the Lord said to the serpent, Because you have done this, you are cursed all the days of your life. And I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your seed and her seed. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. So right there, right after the fall, immediately God prophesied our salvation. Right there in Genesis 3. And it's through the seed of the woman was going to crush the authority of Satan. But he would be wounded in the process, right? So we could look backwards and understand these things better than they did at the time. So the Bible explains that we sold ourselves into a slave debt of sin to Satan, and we needed a Savior in order to be ransomed from the debt that we could not pay. So Isaiah 52, 3 says, For thus says the Lord, you have sold yourselves for nothing, and you shall be redeemed without money. How beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of him who brings good news, who proclaims peace, who brings glad tidings of good things, who proclaims salvation, who says to Zion, your God reigns. And in Isaiah 53, 6, he says, All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way, and the Lord God has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Therefore, I will divide him a portion with the great, and he shall divide the spoil with the strong, because he poured out his soul unto death, and he was numbered with the transgressors, and he bore the sin of many, that he might make intercession for the transgressors. So we sold ourselves for nothing, and Jesus, the Messiah, had to redeem us 
or ransom us from the debt. So who is Jesus? Well, he had to be a son of Adam in order to redeem us from God because God became a man for us to be the firstborn kinsman redeemer of all humanity. So we see in 1 Corinthians 15, 20, but now Christ is risen from the dead and has become the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For since by man came death, by man also came the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ all shall be made alive. And then Hebrews 2.14, Inasmuch then as the children are partakers of flesh and blood, he himself likewise took part in the same, that through death he might destroy him that has the power of death, that is, the devil, and deliver those who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. For verily he took not on himself the nature of angels, but he took on himself the seed of Abraham. Therefore in all things he had to be made like on his bread unto his brethren, that he might be a merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God to make atonement for the sins of the people. So we're actually going to return to this concept of atoning high priest later. But we see that Jesus was God who came in the likeness of man to pay on our behalf the debt that we sold ourselves into because of sin. And it says in Philippians 2, 5, let us let this be the mind in you, which was also in Christ, who being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men and being found as appearance of man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. Wow, Jesus humbled himself for us. Who could ask for a more amazing God? Romans 8, 3, for by the law, so what the law could not do in that it was weak through flesh, God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh on account of sin. And he condemned sin in the flesh that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. Now, because our hope is in Jesus, right? Jesus, therefore, was appointed the head of humanity and made the firstborn of all creation in order to redeem all of humanity. So we see in Psalm eighty nine nineteen this concept. Then you spoke in a vision to your Holy One and said, I have laid help upon one who is mighty. I have exalted one chosen from the people. I have found my servant David. With my holy oil, I have anointed him. Also, I will make him my firstborn, the highest of the kings of the earth. And that's about the Messiah. Anointed means Messiah, or Messiah means anointed in Hebrew. So that's one of the first prophecies about specifically about the Messiah being anointed as the firstborn of creation to take the place of Adam to win back dominion for us. And then it says that Jesus became our kinsman redeemer because we sold ourselves to death. In Leviticus 25, 47, we see this example. Now, if one of your brethren becomes poor and sells himself to the stranger, after he is sold, he may be redeemed again. One of his brothers may redeem him or his uncle or his uncle's son may redeem him, or anyone who is near of kin to him in his family may redeem him, or if he is able, he can redeem himself. So this is the principle of the kinsman redeemer. When someone sells themselves into debt, someone else can buy them out of debt, themselves and their property, everything that they had to sell to pay for a debt they could not pay. And so we 
see that also this theme of redeeming,、uh, this idea of being sold into debt, applies also to the soul, which no man can do for another. Right?、Uh, a human might be able to buy you out of debt to another human, but can't buy your soul. And we see this in Psalm forty-nine seven. None of them, by any means, can redeem his brother, nor give to God a ransom for him. For the redemption of their soul is costly, and it shall cease forever. That he should continue to live eternally and not see the pit, but God will redeem my soul from the power of the grave, for He shall receive me. And we see in Isaiah fifty nine sixteen, He saw that there was no man and wondered that there was no intercessor. Therefore, His own arm brought salvation for Him, and His own righteousness it sustained Him. And it says that the Redeemer will come to Zion. Right. So this is God will come because no. Man could do it, and then Hosea thirteen fourteen. He says, "I will ransom them from the power of the grave. I will redeem them from death. O death, I will be your plagues. O grave, I will be your destruction." And this is God's pronouncement on our behalf, because we were weak and could not do it ourselves. Um, so we see that the Messiah had to be God, born in the flesh, to pay for our sins and become our King. And we know this from、uh, the famous Christmas quotes that we use a lot: Isaiah nine six, for unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulder, and his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God. Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, of the increase of His government and peace, there will be no end. Upon the throne of David and over His kingdom, to order it and establish it with judgment and justice from that time forward, even forever. So He's God and He's a Son of David at the same time. We see this beautiful plan. We see also in Matthew one twenty one, as she shall bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people. From their sins, so all this was done that it might be filled. What was spoken by the Lord through the prophet, saying, "Behold, the virgin, virgin shall be with child, and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel," which is translated "God." With us, what a beautiful promise! And then in Luke one thirty, the angel said to her, "Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son, and shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Highest. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And his kingdom of his kingdom there will be no end. What a Wonderful promise, and then Luke two ten. Then the angel said to them, "Do not be, be do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord." So we see the prophecy that God would become our salvation, literally. By the way, Jesus or Yeshua means salvation, and God became salvation to substitute. For our death, and we see the famous、uh, messianic psalm one eighteen. 
starting in verse 14. The Lord is my strength and my song, and he has become my salvation. The right hand of the Lord is exalted. The right hand of the Lord does valiantly. I shall not die, but live and declare the works of the Lord. And that literally in the Hebrew says that the Lord has become Yeshua for me. Literally, that he became Jesus for me because Yeshua or Joshua means salvation. We're going to see this come up again. So how did Jesus qualify as a substitutionary death for us? Well, God set up a law of substitutionary sacrifice from the beginning. Then he codified it in the law given to Israel to point to his atoning work through the sacrifice because he gave the laws and all the prophecies through Israel and the promise of the coming Messiah through the the line that came through David in Israel. Um, so we see, first of all, the first time of this substitutionary example comes in Genesis 3.21, after the fall, after Adam and Eve blew it. And it says, And for Adam and his wife, the Lord God made coverings of skin and clothed them. He covered, temporarily covered their sin, because it says they were naked, right? They'd lost the spiritual clothing that they had, and they were naked. And so God covered them with the skin. So he had to kill, God himself killed as a a sort of a symbol of what he would do. He killed an animal and covered them with the skins of the animal. And that was a type that we're going to see throughout the Bible. And then we see in Genesis 22, 8, and Abram said, my son, God will provide himself the lamb for the burnt offering. This is when Abraham was told to offer his son as a sacrifice on Mount Moriah, which by the way, is the same mountain where the temple was born later. Look at the symmetry, the patterns that God sets up. It's too amazing. It's too amazing to be from a human. And then Genesis twenty-two thirteen. then Abraham lifted his eyes and looked and there behind him was a ram caught in a thicket by its horns. So Abraham went and took the ram and offered it up for a burnt offering instead of his son. And Abram called the name of that place, the Lord will see it as it is said to this day in the mountain of the Lord, it shall be provided. And he did. He provided the ultimate substitutionary sacrifice. Leviticus 17.11 warns us that this is the only way it could happen. For the life of the flesh is in the blood, and I've given it to you upon the altar to make atonement for your souls. For it is the blood that makes atonement for the soul. So the Savior had to represent all of humanity. But as the firstborn of creation, he also had to be in the line to be the king of all the earth. So God set up a specific lineage as a sign of his chosen king through his servant, King David, a man after after my own heart, as he said. And so we see in 2 Samuel seven twelve this promise, when your days are fulfilled, that he said this to David, and you rest with your fathers, I will set up your seed after you who will come from your own body, and I will establish his kingdom, and he shall build a house for my name, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. So the Savior had to be in the bloodline of David in order to be the rightful king of the earth. And we see this prophecy fulfilled in the lineage written both in in Matthew and in Luke. However, this is what's interesting. In the lineage of Matthew, Jesus it's where his legal claim to be as the stepson of Joseph and who was a descendant of David through Solomon. So Joseph was a bloodline descendant from David through Solomon, but Jesus was not the son of Joseph. So that actually only counts 
on paper. It does not count as a blood lineage promise. However, uh, he was the blood son of David through Mary. As Genesis 3.15 prophesied that the Messiah would come from the seed of a woman. Remember, we just read that. And remarkably, her bloodline is not through Solomon. When you read the lineage in Luke, you'll see that, uh, in fact, if it was through Solomon, that would violate the word of God because, interestingly, God cursed the remnant of Solomon's kingly line when he rejected King Coniah in Jeremiah 22, 24 through 30. And he claimed that none of his descendants, descendants would sit on the throne of David. So that dried up the entire line from King Coniah. He was so bad, and it was just before they went into captivity, that God said, I'll just throw you off like a signet ring. I remove you. None of your kids are going to be on the throne. Um, And so it dried all the way up, the whole line, all the way back. Therefore, it is a perfect fulfillment of God's promises through to David that the Messiah, Jesus, was born according to Mary's bloodline through David's little-known son, Nathan, Solomon's older brother, who was only listed in David's lineage in 2 Samuel 5.14. So when you check out Mary's bloodline in Luke, you'll see it's the son of David is Nathan. So not only Jesus' lineage through Nathan listed through Mary's bloodline in Luke 3.31, but actually four of her ancestors are listed in Luke and, believe it or not, in a prophecy about the Messiah in Zechariah 12.12. Get this. So Zechariah 12, uh, starting in 12.10, it says, I will pour on the house of David and on the inhabitants of Jerusalem a spirit of grace and supplication. Then they will look upon me whom they have pierced. That's the Messiah. Yes, they will mourn as one mourns for his only son and grieve for him as one grieves for a firstborn. And the land shall mourn every family apart, the family of the house of David by itself, the family of the house of Nathan by itself, the family of the house of Levi by itself, and the family of the house of Shemai by itself. So all four of those names, you look it up, and they're in Mary's lineage, which is chapter uh, Luke chapter 3, 23 through 38. And the names of Nathan are not listed in any other lineage in the whole Bible, except David's. And the name Shemai is only listed in the whole Bible, in Mary's lineage and in Zechariah's list. And Levi cannot be the tribe of Levi. It's got to be the Levi listed in Mary's lineage. Just the name Levi is described in the house of David, mourning for their firstborn in Zechariah. So this is the family of David looking upon the one whom they have pierced, mourning because they recognize that their own son was the Messiah and they had not received him. So there's the mourning that goes on there. So literally, the specific lineage of the Messiah was detailed for a sign that Jesus fulfilled his blood line requirement from the lineage of David through Mary and David's son Nathan not Solomon whose family had been disqualified as you can see in Jeremiah see how perfectly it all fits together it's so amazing and in fact the new branch of David's lineage to the messianic throne was prophesied after the exiles returned to Jerusalem from Babylon from the Babylonian captivity and faithfully struggled to rebuild the temple and the city so all the people who finally came back from captivity 
boy, they were just a ragtag little group trying to reestablish Jerusalem, but God honored them. So he gave this prophecy, reestablishing where the Messianic line would pick up, first of all, in Haggai. And it was given to Zerubbabel, also Jesus' ancestor, you'll see named in Mary's line, Zerubbabel, and this is Haggai 2.21. Speak to Zerubbabel, governor of Judah, saying, In that day, says the Lord of hosts, I will take you, Zerubbabel, my servant, son of Shlathiel, says the Lord, and I will make you like a signet ring, for I have chosen you, says the Lord of hosts. So, moreover, the Messiah was actually named at this time in the book of Haggai's contemporary prophet, Zechariah. You're going to just, your minds are going to be blown when you see this. All right, so um, in this case, Zechariah's prophecy is concerning Joshua, the faithful high priest. So, the other one was Zerubbabel, who became governor of Judah upon the return. And um, this one is to Joshua, the high priest, who was trying to reestablish the temple ordinances after captivity. So the Lord says to Joshua, take the silver and the gold and make an elaborate crown and set it upon the head of Joshua, the high priest. Then speak to him, saying, thus says the Lord of hosts, behold the man whose name is the branch. From his place he shall branch out and he shall build the temple of the Lord. He shall build Build the temple of the Lord, he shall bear the glory, and he shall sit and rule on his throne. So he shall be a priest on his throne, and the council of peace shall be between them both. Now the branches are referenced to the Messiah, as we see in Jeremiah twenty three five. Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, that I will raise to David a branch of righteousness. A king shall reign and prosper and execute judgment. In his days Judah will be saved. Now this is the name that he will be called the Lord our righteousness. So interestingly, the verse I just read says to Joshua, the high priest, the behold the man whose name is the branch. That's Joshua. Joshua is Yeshua. His name is Yeshua. And it says that he will bear the glory and sit and rule on his throne. So he shall be a priest on his throne and a council of peace will be between them both. Can you believe this? A descendant of Joshua, the high priest, and a descendant of Zerubbabel, a son of David, will be a king and a priest upon his throne. And how do we know this? If you look at Mary's uh, lineage, again, we're going to find something really remarkable. Remember in Luke, Mary is told about being the mother of the Messiah as it says in Luke one thirty six. Now indeed, Elizabeth, your cousin, has also conceived a son in her old days. Remember Elizabeth, her cousin? Look what else it says about Elizabeth. Luke one five. There were in the days of Herod, the king of Judea, a certain priest named Zacharias of the division of Abiah. His wife was of the daughters of Aaron. Her name was Elizabeth. Can you believe it that Mary has the lineage of David and the daughters of Aaron converging in her bloodline so that when Jesus was born, he would be both a king and a priest on his throne. Friends, humans couldn't make this up. It's so amazing. Yes, you're going to have to get the podcast and check this all out again. Write it down. I'll try to put the notes on my website for you if that helps, but God is so amazing. And please, if you haven't received Jesus as your Savior, let him know now. Don't wait. This is too good to pass up. Friends, until next time, when we're going to talk about seven prophecies that show Jesus had to be the Messiah, I look forward to talking to you again. God bless you all. 
Join Wendy Scott every Saturday at 3 p.m. on K-Praise for another episode of Season Watch. Previous episodes can be found through the K-Praise podcast platform, where you can also access Wendy's other platforms and contact links. Please email Wendy with show comments, questions, or suggestions at wscott at mywordsforhim.com or visit her website at mywordsforhim.com for additional resources. Watch other teachings on her Rumble channel. Wendy's Words for Him, her fiction novel, The Lost, A Story of Christmas, can be found on Amazon. Until next week, watch, therefore, and pray always that you may be counted worthy to escape all these things that will come to pass and to stand before the Son of Man. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.